0: Welcome to the Sad Mag podcast. This is Sadcast. I'm Jackie Hoffer,
1: and I'm Stu Pop.
0: And um, on our podcast, as always, just like Sad Magazine does, we talk about stories, art, and design in our three segments. Um, today, for the story portion of the Sadcast, we've got a special guest. We've got Portia Beam on the show, and she wrote a beautiful piece in the current issue of Sad Mag. Um, when she's gonna come in onto the show and. Um, hopefully read the piece for us, and then we'll just chat about it a little bit. And so we're really stoked to have you on the show, Portia. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Hey. Did you want to launch in by reading it? Does that feel cool yeah, for you?
2: Okay. that's cool for me, yeah. One night a few summers back, my boyfriend's mom got a call out. She's an EMT, and there had been an incident on the island. There had been a a stabbing uh, in her neighbor's house. One person was dead, and another who survived, but not by much. The attacker had fled into the bushes and was hiding from the police. The ferry was stopped, and the island entered a lockdown. Word spreads quickly in a place like Gabriola, and everyone waited anxiously to hear that he'd been caught so the island could return to normal and begin gossiping. Waiting made me restless, fear made me reckless. My boyfriend and I went out driving with a couple of friends. It was a hot summer night, but very clear. The heat made us heavy, but very aware and awake. We chatted nervously to one another, almost whispering. We watched the bugs flicker through the headlights as we moved our fingers through the wind, dangling and flexing them out of the windows. We all sort of moved together without argument. We parked and got out of the car, moving in darkness down a well-worn path towards a beach. The moon was gray and electric, and the water was very calm. The tide was so high that there was no beach. The steps led straight into the water, and we hung our clothes in the branches of a tree. A hot afternoon low tide had warmed the rocks up all day, enough that the water felt like skin on skin, like being eaten, like being in space. Swimming at night kindles a weird kind of peaceful fear. Just giving in to darkness, depth, loneliness. Facing outwards in a way that turns fears into a powerful ally. There's a comfort in moving alone inside of fear. The island, with its only exit cut off, becomes a very different place. I guess this happens each night when the ferry runs cease, but lockdown is different. The danger was on the island, somewhere in the woods. Night swimming under these circumstances felt like pulling a fire alarm just to see what would happen next, to be someone making things happen, to destroy the sense of passivity that waiting creates. I miss darkness more than I miss anything else about the island. Walking or swimming at night on Gabriola feels so important and unutterably private, and having access to real darkness is something that I feel robbed of living in the city. You meet people in cities who always travel through life on a highway system, people whose routes are linear, people who travel on your same streets regularly. No shortcuts or weird routes through anyone's yard. I can only imagine what it's like to set a destination with Perhaps a few pit stops or detours which don't go too far afield, and then to see how efficiently you can cover that ground. Islanders tend to prefer paths, metaphorically speaking. Winding, obscure, intimate, and disorienting. Paths are easier to get lost on, they require a different kind of attention, and the act of traveling becomes less a matter of A to B. All of this rings true for me, but could just as easily fail to resonate, I don't know. I think I tell myself that Gabriola Island is a suburb of Vancouver because I grew up defining the island in relation to this abstract idea of civilization, which I knew little of and towards which I was raised to be kind of dismissive. In truth we're probably more of a satellite than a suburb, separate but always related. There's a weird kind of non-logic at play on an island a logic which can ignore the physical proximity of literally all of the modern conveniences in order to retain the idea of ourselves as living in the wilderness. For a heavily populated, relatively convenient, and incredibly tiny island, we sure do embrace the thought of ourselves as rural. We dream of ourselves as far away from it all. I guess it's a spiritual kind of distance more than a geographical one. Living on a moon, always pulled by the city, but the pull is never strong enough to disrupt our own weird orbit. Beautiful! Ugh, oh,
0: Push, I love this story. I'm so glad. Yeah, it's so touching. And I didn't, I, I think I might be, I'm kind of the opposite. I grew up in the prairies. So for me, like how you get places is a straight line in a literal and a figurative sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually have to ask. I mean this piece is broad in scope and I and I love it for that, but I'm actually quite curious of just what happened with the guy with the murder. Oh, with, with the, the murder. like Yeah. What 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 can you just like wrap that up for me?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean the story started out with so many different ideas of what being on Gabriola was about. So that was just sort of one concrete instance. He did actually end up getting caught uh I think it was the next day they found him and he was sent, he was sent to prison and eventually went to trial for it. Um, the people that were involved in the stabbing, yeah, the the mother died and her son survived. I, I think uh, the guy was a, a tenant who'd been living in their house, and he had a, a disagreement with them about something, and and he ended up killing the woman and trying to kill the son. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was really shocking. I yeah. mean, with communities like that, it's everybody has a story right you've seen you've seen the people that are involved in anything that happens you know them even if you don't you know spend time with them as like acquaintances you should sort of they're familiar yeah yeah just to kind of bring it into the present moment um
0: are you are going back to the island this weekend for thanksgiving
2: i am yeah are you looking forward to it I'm really looking forward to it. I got off work last night, and so now I have almost a full week, and I'm like, right, let's go to Gabriela right now, let's spend six days there, let's be with all the people that I can be with and sort of do the visit tour. Yeah. How often do you go back? I go back as often as I can, it's probably once every few months. My boyfriend's been back once since we moved here in January and he's coming back for Thanksgiving, and he's like, okay, so we'll go over Saturday evening, we'll stay for Sunday, we'll come back first thing Monday morning. Like, he really wants to streamline his visit as much as he can because he and I have just completely different feelings about going back to the island.
0: Right. Yeah, I imagine, well, I mean, you, you do reference it, but I imagine everyone has a unique relationship with with being there. But from my small collection of other island friends, um, I would say most seem to have a kind of cherished and precious kind of reverence for that experience. And yet not, not a lot of them have the same kind of yearning to return as, as, I, as I feel like you have, or at least to visit, if not to live.
2: Yeah. I think it's um, being back is kind of like salt. Mm. You know, everybody, everybody has sort of different tolerance levels for how much salt they need. And I need a lot of salt. Mm. And my, my boyfriend's just like, no, no. I'm on a I'm on a low sodium diet. <laughs> exactly. Just like I need a, I need as much as it takes to keep my mom happy, but I can't. He can't take the sort of intense focus that shifts onto him when he's there because everyone hasn't seen him in so long. They all want to know where have you been? What have you been up to? What have you learned? How are you different than the last time I saw you? Right. Right. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I'm wondering, like, in your experience growing up, like, how much does the population
2: shift on, on Gabriola? Like- um, I think that the, the change in population with Gabriola is generally a very seasonal one. There's a lot of houses that are empty for half the year, oh, okay. and people come from the city for, you know, three weeks in the summertime and then leave their house empty for the rest of the year, which accounts for a lot of the sort of shift that happens. Most of the year-round residents, they know... You know what they're in for, though certainly people have had to start thinking, you know, do I do I need to move away from here before the fairies get so expensive that I can't Hmm. that I'm trapped? I can't imagine
0: what it's like to feel like your whole livelihood is beholden to BC fairies or like your whole existence, really. I I think I can I have a lot of compassion for that struggle because to me, there's so much um, freedom available of just the idea that I can get in my car and drive away if I need to, even though I don't do that very often. Mm-hmm, just the fact that it's there. Exactly. But knowing that it's prohibitively expensive to, to kind of leave mm-hmm. m- makes it harder to feel comfortable, I think, in a way, almost. Even for
2: hardcore islanders. It really does. I mean, and it is sort of a, an obstinacy, I think, a lot of the time, where as soon as you start becoming afraid of the thing that's trapping you, you you're gonna stay because you get to decide, right? You don't mm. wanna you don't wanna move because BC Fairies made you move. There's sort of alternate ways to view it. There's people who dig their heels in and there's people who just sort of cash in their chips and, and try it somewhere else. Right, right. And I imagine too, um
0: I have a good friend who grew up on Cortez and I, I remember visiting her one New Year's and I remember thinking that, um like pretty much everyone on the island had some kind of craft or you know I mean I think it's just Mm -hmm. it's so unusual to me to live in a community where pretty much everyone is is sort of self-sufficient or almost self-sufficient and like I'm yeah that's so sort of foreign to me really
2: I love the idea of people who have crafts being self-sufficient. When, <laughs> when, like all I can think about is how much of a struggle it is to convince people of the like the worth of the craft that you're doing. Because yeah, Gabriola has like probably six or seven Christmas craft fairs every year. But it's like when everyone's a crafter, where's the money coming from? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose.
0: Well, I I mean, and this is the thing that kind of interested me about Cortez. And this is where that kind of utopianism i think comes in with some of these island cultures is this idea of you know bartering and and trading and 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 getting by in a in a sort of
2: moneyless ecosystem and i'm curious how much that that happens on gabriola there's definitely an attempt to be beholden for as little as possible i mean there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people trying to create sort of sustainable uh food for themselves and and to preserve food and to to Be wise in their choices of what they have to buy, just because it's such a such a process to try and get rid of waste or to try and accumulate new things. Mm. So there is definitely a lot of um, consideration put into how how things are going to last, what your future is going to look like. There's a lot of apocalypse planning, and (laughs) and even just like you know pantries and root cellars and needing to make sure you have enough for the winter cuz you may get snowed in. I was visiting my friends um
0: that live out on Lake Arock, which um is one of whom is Shelley Stefan who's also featured in this issue. Mm-hmm. And you I
2: love know, go by the way, it's so good.
0: Yeah. Um and uh and they so they live in a very small community um just sort of surrounding the lake and a lot of those places are just summer homes for folks, but um we were hanging out by the lake and uh, one of their neighbors came by and started to chat with them. And And a couple things occurred to me about what's just in that conversation that we'd had about what, what's so great about these smaller communities and that I think is really missing from Vancouver is, is just what you say in your piece about being able to have conversations with people who are different from you and maybe come from a different background or have a different perspective or politics or whatever and there's definitely like a, you know, this this particular woman pretty quickly was able to kind of clarify that her dream is to just sort of like have a shotgun and move into the forest. Like she just, <laughs> she's just that kind of woman and doesn't really have a lot of trust for anyone and everything's kind of a conspiracy, but she's also like really sweet and lovely and stoned and like beautiful kind of crazy old lady. And um, I just loved her spirit. And I was like, I don't really encounter people like that in Vancouver very often, although I'm sure I'm surrounded by them.
2: Yeah. I think uh public transit is one of the only sort of venues for that to occur here or mm-hmm. in my experience so far it's that's the only place where you're sort of trapped with people that you may not have much in common with and you do sort of have to consider one another and and take into account all of these different people right um, and but people here tend to be very guarded about those kind of interactions where I am much more ready to accept that I may just be approached by somebody who wants to talk about something
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's a you know I think we can all learn from that quite a
2: bit um, it's really nice though it's like it's a really beautiful feeling to be able to leave your house and feel like you don't know anyone that you see as you walk down the street you're not going to be stopped you don't have to have any conversations you just do these sort of cursory interactions to move through the city mm. like you know hi, bus driver, how's your morning going? And then you just get to go sit down. Whereas on right. Gabriola, it's like, oh, hi, you're driving the only bus on the island, and I know you, and I know your kids, and you know I haven't been here for months, so you want to know what I've been up to. Like, every space you move into is kind of fraught with these um, perhaps overly intimate interactions just because everyone is curious about the people that they they know, and you know everyone. yeah. Yeah. Deepula, I find is worse for that than I think some of the smaller islands like Lisquiti and, and Cortez, people there are definitely um I find are much more willing to respect your boundaries and just sort of nod and move on, like mm. nod and pass one another as you're both out walking your dogs or whatever. Right. Um one thing I was gonna
0: say I, I had to because I had to pre record with Stu and with Stu, I had him kind of just say a few things about how how your piece uh, touched him and because he grew up in fernie and so he has a different kind of perspective of it than than even i do and and now Stu's thoughts on portia's piece remotely yeah
1: coming to you from exile in maple Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, a, it's
0: a very suburban issue of the podcast i'm yep. proud to say uh
1: yeah it uh i really it really like the piece uh because it a lot of stuff she talked about kind of reminded me of uh of fernie less murder story but the things like uh the like sort of absolute darkness that you get not being in the city and the one that really struck me that really reminded me of growing up in, in my small hometown uh was uh taking roots through other people's yards which you would never do in mm. the city right you, they'd think you're trying to rob them and
0: right. now is or that because it's... people's yards are really big or
1: no you just they'd cut through there'd be paths through some people's yards Is just you know Fast, if there was a route through someone's yard to where you need to go, you could cut through it. Um, I would always cut through people's yards to get to my elementary school because it was a lot faster to just like cut through someone's backyard down a hill and then I was there as opposed to like a 20 minute walk along the roads. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's w- why people weren't weird about it, but it, you know, Fernie at least is the kind of a place where people didn't lock their doors if they were home. And right yeah
0: do you miss that uh
1: a little bit but the the trade-off is of all the things you can do in the city as little is good hi portia sorry i can't <laughs> be there
0: no problem I'll i liked your problem. story <laughs> okay well i think we're probably gonna just wrap it up there um in the third segment of our show um Stu and i are going to talk about our ideal thanksgiving and i just wanted to maybe throw that question to you too like is there in a kind of fantasy scenario is there sort of like what makes your 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 dreamiest thanksgiving
2: yeah, um I have like two families to celebrate with, and one of them is a very expansive super like welcoming my boyfriend's family there's like there's just a million of them, and they're all lovely, but I didn't grow up with any of them, and so I feel very much out of out of my element though I've adapted um but my ideal Thanksgiving increasingly has just become like like stripped of all the trappings of what Thanksgiving is it's just like a really nice walk with some people that I like talking to and maybe there's a little bit of sunshine and eventually you know I'm I'm not hungry at the end of the night that's that's basically (laughs) all I ask for I love it we're all terrible at holidays (laughs) so we just make a point to like spend time with one another and that's everything else is you know gravy if you'll forgive the joke (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, uh, I think that's perfect. Okay, well, thanks so much for joining us, Portia. And, um, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, and have a great have a great Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
2: You as well. Thanks, Jackie.
0: This week in art, we're going to talk to a local band that actually, they're called Aaliyah Ray, I think. And it's a band, which is also the name of the singer. And uh, we are they're going to just loop in on this call and we're going to see how that goes. And we're going to interview them. And it's going to be really exciting.
1: Fantastic. I'm going to open a beer for this segment.
0: Oh my God, are you really?
1: Day drinking.
0: Awesome. Oh my God, this is so exciting. Radio. Hello.
1: Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi.
0: Um, so welcome, welcome to you guys. I actually don't know how to pronounce your name, so why don't you start us off by telling <laughs> us who you are? And
3: uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So the van name is Aaliyah Ray, which is
0: my name. Go is ahead. it Aaliyah Ray like always one, always together like Aaliyah Ray, like Mary Kate or? <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, it's like my first name and middle name.
0: Okay. Yeah. So is that yes? Like, yeah, like
3: okay. that's how it functions as the band name, but it's just Aaliyah. Like, if you're addressing me, yeah, okay. that makes sense because then I can be like, So,
0: Aaliyah Ray is blah 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 blah, but you are Aaliyah, yeah, <laughs> perfect, done. And uh, your band mate, your Aaliyah Rayer, <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, I'm Je- Jeremiah.
0: Hi, Jeremiah. So, I'm Jackie, I'm the producer, and um host of Sadcast, and my co-host is Stupa. okay so you guys are you guys coming to us live from new west or do you just hail from new west and you're somewhere in East Van in a basement what's your what's your
3: <laughs> no well um two out of three of us are in new west we're in new west right now we're at my place
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah but we practice in delta this
0: is, this is kind of ideal for us because so sad cast comes is a is a family member of sad magazine and obviously you guys are familiar with sad mag but we just released the suburbia issue where we talk about everybody and everything (laughs) happening um that's not happening in vancouver proper and so it's it's a kind of nice bonus to have you guys representing new s and delta
4: (laughs) (laughs) we're, we're really glad to i mean we're really glad to be a part of it so
0: yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your, yeah, just how you got started. Maybe, um, I know you used to be uh, a solo artist, Aaliyah, Aaliyah, Aaliyah Ray. <laughs> uh, were you a solo artist under the name Aaliyah Ray, too? Because that's going to get confusing.
3: Yeah, I was. Okay. Um, and the, the reason we didn't change it was just because um, it was such a, like, natural progression into a band. Mm-hmm. Um And the only thing that really changed is how we represented ourselves. And so it went from being like, oh, I'm playing a show with these backing musicians to, you know, we're playing shows and um, we started collaborating a lot more musically. And um, we just never, we we brought up changing the band name and we're still kind of like, maybe we should have a band name, but um, so far it's just, it's just going to be under my name. So.
0: And why don't you just walk us through kind of like your history so far as a band?
3: (laughs) Okay. Well. Um, I met the guys, like, last... Was it last February?
4: Last February. No, yes. Not <laughs> not this one, but 2013. But yeah,
3: you're, okay. You're... Um, but I was... Um, I'd already started um, studio work mm-hmm. uh, on the first EP, on the Offerings EP. And so um, they came in for the last three songs. They kind of, like, slowly got integrated, <laughs> integrated into um, the recording. And so that whole EP was kind of like a transition for me from, like, solo to full band. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't really know what our sound was yet then, but we were just kind of figuring out how to work with my music. And then um, the more we played together, the more, more we liked um, like working off each other. And so we um, put out the split single, which is Flies in Lancaster, mm-hmm. just to kind of give people an idea of like how, like what, how we are moving forward as a band. And that came out just this summer,
0: right? Yeah, it was late July. Great. So how did you guys meet then last February? Like last, last February?
4: Um, well, we met actually, um, I was part of a, uh, group in Delta that was putting on, um, events for youth. Um, and a couple of us knew, uh, a couple, couple bands and she was actually playing violin in, uh, in a band. And so we put together basically a show in Delta, mm-hmm. uh, at the fire hall there. And, uh, she was playing in a band, and I was playing my solo stuff with Patrick, who's also in Aaliyah Ray. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was—I don't know—the night of or a week or something later. And within that time, she had sent me a message on Facebook asking if we, uh, if, I, if I would like to like collaborate with her musically, um, play drums. And I uh, asked. She asked if I knew any more musicians, and I said, "Yeah, I know. Uh, Patrick's really, really great at kind of." a lot of different varieties and so um he kind of joined as well and it was just kind of like she said very natural and um i think he started out on bass
0: um so to be honest one of the your your visual design for your website is really beautiful but one of the things that drew me to you guys particularly um before even listening to any of your music is you identify here as um, making sad music uh, or sad sounds, and uh, I think that's obviously pretty hard to resist for a magazine called Sad Mag <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, sad, sad Cast. Um, and of course, the joke for us with with that name is that um, you know part of what we have always wanted to do is show how. You know, Vancouver and and area are in fact not sad at all, or that people think it's such a sad place. that people are doing really fun, people are doing really fun things all the time, but, uh, and we and it's kind of part of the sad mag ethos to be sharing and talking about what's happening in arts and culture just all over the city, which is in fact there's a lot going on. And so um, over time, that's also morphed to be an acronym for stories, art, and design. So for us, it's kind of like really worked. But talk to talk to me about sad as a description for your your music
3: um well (laughs) mostly for me it comes from like um just how i how i write and um what my like mood and mindset is when i start into a song and so usually um like and lyrics like my lyrics are always like evocative of like whatever like thing i'm struggling with and so um it ends up just being like like it just naturally ends up being a lot of like sad material like i have we were talking about writing like more upbeat stuff and it's just, it's just so hard. (laughs) um, But even, but we have been writing like stuff that's more upbeat, but it's just that like the core of it is just like, it's all based out of like struggle and, um, and like uh, um, having like abrasive relationships and things like that. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like the easiest place to draw from, I guess for me. That That makes sense. sense. Yeah. Oh,
0: (laughs) do you have any, do you you have some questions?
1: Uh, I I, I don't i did listen to your music it was very good uh, i'm notoriously bad at uh, being a music person so yeah uh i'm just i'm gonna hear stick around and I'll, I'll make comments now and then but uh i'll let you continue i am interested in uh sort of how you found Sandmeg and found us because you contacted us i believe
4: i actually have a friend who's into um into design work and uh She suggested a few um, different kind of national and local um, uh, magazines and outlets to go through. And and Mm -hmm. obviously, Sad Mag kind of stood out because of the correlation between uh, our music and and the title.
3: Yeah, such a good name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jeremiah, you said you were organizing an event and there were different musicians playing. And I'm kind of curious, like, if you can talk to sort of what the music scene is like in in Delta, New and wherever else you guys are kind of hanging out and playing. Like, it feels like it might be tricky to, to, uh, I I don't know, to be honest, I'm, you know, I, I, am the kind of person who grew up in the prairies and then I moved here for university and then I left and I came back. But to me, I, I, I'm very just Vancouver central. I live in Gastown. Like my focus is very urban. And so, um, I think once I Took a sky train out to go see some comedy in New West, and that was like a big adventure. But beyond that, <laughs> beyond that, uh, I basically don't leave town unless I'm going really far away. So walk me through like what the kind of scenes like locally. Do you find it?
4: I think. Um, I mean, there obviously are a lot of different scenes um, around Vancouver. It's very versatile and and diverse. Um, so uh, I think uh, the scene in Delta, obviously. I mean, to me, obviously at least. Uh, The scene in Delta isn't very uh, lucrative in my mind. Right. Uh, There are a few like solid musicians uh, that I know that are from there, but um, predominantly it's not uh, as as blooming as the scene, maybe in Vancouver um, or um, New West, even. Um, I'm not too sure of many artists coming out of New West personally. No.
5: um,
4: I guess Vancouver and the scene that we're we're trying to um, incorporate ourselves in is uh, it's kind of a lot different maybe from something like the pop scene or the uh, hard rock scene or something, you know, mm-hmm. in Vancouver, where you kind of are looking for a really definite niche, um, which can be very difficult, but also very rewarding once you find it. Um, so it's 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 hard to find musicians that we can... Uh, Really relate to I think a lot of the time, but um, when we do it's 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 obviously very rewarding because of the search and because we can relate to them um, you know, on a very deep level because I mean I think our music has i don't know I think our music has uh has an emotional content that isn't in a lot of other genres
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, so yeah i mean i'm I'm dragging this out maybe a bit but um <laughs> The point I'm getting to is that uh, it's it's a very um, interesting scene that we're in, I think, and... and uh... I don't know if we're in a scene. <laughs> I, think, <okay. laughs>
3: I think we have some, like, fr- like friend bands, but I wouldn't mm. say we're part of, like, a bigger um, collective...
4: Not a huge one, no, no. definitely not.
3: No, it, it just feels like um, like the Greater Vancouver area just kind of merges into Vancouver. Like most of our shows happen in Vancouver. We have actually like one coming up in Surrey, which is very strange for us. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it, I, it mostly like everything takes place in Vancouver. But um, there's I think bands are much more scattered in the suburbs and not necessarily like um, it's not, it's not like there's like a, a network like outside of Vancouver. I think it's hmm. all pretty much one cohesive thing. Right. It just flows in and out of the city. But I think Vancouver bands don't necessarily go outwards, but mm-hmm. all like the greater Vancouver bands do go into
0: Vancouver. So are there any bands that you're that you do work with or that you would like to play with, um around town? Um
3: well a, a really big we we would love. We really want to play <laughs> we want, really wanna play with the City at some point. Um but they're we're not quite there yet. Um but we we have made like a lot of um friends with some bands that, that we really like. Um we're playing with Derival, like, this coming Saturday, and um, we played a couple times with them, they're really great, and um, we're planning, we really hit it off with this band called The Good and Everyone, and they've had, like, a few, like, scattered projects and stuff, but um, they want to do, like, a like a tour with us and stuff, so we're kind of planning things with them right now, so mm-hmm. that's been really great, but um, before that, we didn't really, like, have, like, a lot of um,
4: connections. connections
3: and stuff, and, like, I don't know how we got shows. People just asked us, but we, we didn't actually, really know them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky. We've been meeting a lot of people this year. It's been really great.
4: I think that, uh, I mean, I, I feel so fortunate to be in a project where people, not not like, I mean it in like such a humble way that people are actually reaching out to us to join Bills and stuff. Yeah. Um, because, like, to have someone not only... An audience member that appreciates us, but also another musician that appreciates us, is is such a you know like it gives you such a warm feeling.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: it's very rewarding, you know, to, for people to come up to you and be excited about what you just did on stage or something. So it's been yeah really nice, and it seems like every show we play like another like
0: opportunity opens up for us. So it's oh, been really yeah. great. Cool. So messages just keep playing yeah (laughs) Yeah, pretty much did you guys have anything that you wanted to particularly promote or let folks know about or um so i noticed you guys have a show this weekend at the electric owl yeah
4: you can find us on on uh facebook or on our website it has all the connections to our social media Mm -hmm. um our website is alia basically we have a couple shows coming up uh, in the next few months and we post them all on the website and song kick and all that so um if uh, you want to find more about us um definitely check out aliyahray.ca great
0: and um i'd love to play lancaster for um on the pod if that's cool if you guys want to yeah
4: say,
3: say,
0: say anything about it or talk about it at all in any way
3: I don't know. I actually like listened back to it the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, we did a good job." We'll <laughs>
0: yeah, I think it's really great. Yeah, I think it's a really strong song. So, so anyway, so we'll throw to Lancaster and um, Aaliyah Ray, um, the band, and Aaliyah and Patrick, the people. Um, or sorry, Aaliyah and Jeremiah, the people. Thank you very much for being on our show.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thank
4: you so much. Thank you. <laughs>
5: What is this Love is a tongue.
0: design we decided to um keep with the theme of thanksgiving and um, just have a bit of a chat about what our ideal thanksgiving weekend would be like so stu are you ready to go first
1: i am totally ready
0: okay hit me with your with your, with your favorite <laughs> things you're like a dream thanksgiving weekend
1: part of my fantasy involves people figuring their shit out and deciding if it's a monday or, or a sunday once <laughs> and for all tired of this never knowing
0: why don't you like it
1: because my friends always do like an orphan thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, and then me the, no one ever has their family thing on the same day so it's always like are we doing it sunday or monday and then it's like mm-hmm. oh my, mom, my family's doing it monday it's like oh my family's doing it sunday you know? yeah. this year i was finally like why don't we just do it on a fucking saturday guys exactly
0: do orphan saturday or do family orphan saturday? saturday yeah i think orphan saturday makes a lot of sense and then you want to roll out like kind of hungover to your family one on sunday and then Monday is just, like, total free day off. Oh, wait. I'm talking about my fantasy weekend.
1: <laughs> no, no. That's good. That's, I'm, yeah. I am down with that. See, because my, my ideal would be the Orphan Saturday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kind of hungover Family Sunday. Absolutely. And then if everyone is doing Sunday, that means on Monday we don't have to cancel Star Wars d <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: it. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That makes it's all coming it's together.
1: Living the dream yeah it's, uh, <laughs> since this is a fantasy and because i like jokes uh i also uh i want a crazy corporate friday
0: <laughs> okay let's get we that circus going
1: <laughs> give me something so, to talk about on orphan saturday
0: i love it what kinds of things would you be looking to purchase if this were a thing that happened then in canada
1: oh like- i mean I would, I would assume if i just like let it be the way it is in the states and it'd just be like uh, future shop and stuff mm-hmm. but i think maybe we could go like weird like it's only like roots has a sale
0: for <laughs> michael's
1: yeah <laughs> really canadian stores are the only ones that yeah. are allowed to have canadian yeah. black friday marks yeah you get like a tim hortons donut for five cents
0: what what's the kind of food breakdown for you is it is the food situation basically fine as it is for thanksgiving or are there things yeah the like, food stitch
1: is pretty good my mom's a pretty great cook um so there's always a good turkey, mm-hmm. lots of sides. Um, she's recently added to her repertoire this like uh like sweet potato mash thing, but it's baked, yeah and it has like walnuts and maple stuff on top. It's delicious maple
0: stuff love it uh that sounds pretty pretty good uh,
1: any any Thanksgiving fantasy though it just has to include like seven hundred pumpkin pies. <laughs> I actually have had, for the last five or six years, a running joke competition. I, basically, if I have pumpkin pie, I take a picture of it and send it to my one, one of my friends. And he does the same. It's mm. basically like bragging, like, I have pumpkin pie right now and you don't. I have not had a pumpkin pie in the last six years that I did not do that for.
0: Is the breakdown in your family that your mom typically does all the cooking? Or is it more just for the holidays? Or how does that work?
1: Yeah, it's more just for the holidays um the my parents i think they alternate and i I cook sometimes as well
0: yeah i mean for for me uh i would say that okay my poor mom can will never live this down but there's one year i guess maybe i was like eight or nine and i i guess we were maybe going away for the weekend and we'd come back or, or i don't know i don't know what was going on my parents were always working my mom was a nurse she worked a lot of shifts like things were my folks were busy, and and and, it, and I think one year, Thanksgiving, my parents were just like, you know what? We're just not going to do it this year. Like, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think it was no big deal. I don't think it mattered. I don't think anybody really cared. But I don't know. I, maybe I took some heat at school with, like, no turkey leftovers. Or I don't know. For some reason, I experienced some shame and then my and then I turned around and shamed my mom and so literally for the entire rest of my life there's this spirit of this particular Thanksgiving looming over us which is like it's it's kind of a running joke now just with my mom where we joke about like not really doing anything like that one year you know and like or just having like a mac and cheese Thanksgiving like that one year and you know and even though I feel horrible now for being that child that shamed Mm -hmm. their mother but but uh you know kids are jerks. To me now, I, I really do try to get it if I can. Although I've never hosted one, um, I have a cousin here in town who who invites me over for family Thanksgiving. But you know, I'm, I'm also, I tend to also go to an orphan one, and I agree, it's always this problem of like which day is the day. So I think that's kind of why I like the a lot of the foods that happen at orphan Thanksgivings because they tend to be a little bit more potlucky, mm-hmm. and so you end up getting like everyone's versions of whatever their favorite things are, and I find that so much more interesting. I come from a, you know, Saskatchewan and Alberta, so you know, like I never, I didn't know what an eggplant was until I was in university. You know, like we don't have any like fancy veg. There's no like parsnips or mm-hmm. uh, any, you know, even asparagus is kind of like it's weird. Not that that's seasonally appropriate, but just you know, like we just didn't have a lot of weird special vegetables. Even sweet potatoes or yams, like that's not we don't do that so (laughs) it's too much color (laughs) so I you know I feel like uh the 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 meal I experience with my family at home is not maybe my favorite meal but the experience is my favorite because of my nieces and just being with my family it's like such a rare treat for me now so I think my fantasy weekend would actually be to transport myself to my parents for a day or my sister is usually is the host now because she's got the biggest house and um, and then be magically transported back in my turkey comatose so yeah so maybe let's add let's let's uh, let's wrap that up I mean I don't know I'd love to hear from our listeners if you want to tweet it we really need to make a, a special Twitter just for this ad cast
1: yep uh, do we want to have a hashtag though uh, like yeah. sad Thanksgiving sad
0: Thanksgiving yeah let's let's do that yeah. Just tweet us some of your favorite fantasy Thanksgiving weekend stuff at sad Thanksgiving that'd be great yeah.
1: hashtag sad thanksgiving
0: okay well um... Zooming to the end now. That wraps up another episode of the Sadcast. Um, again, check out our, our Tumblr, Sadcast.tumblr.com. Um, it's going to take us probably a little while to get everything all linked up with SadMag.ca. But for those of you diehard listeners, we thank you again for tuning in. And um, and uh, yeah, by all means, you know, uh, however it is that you're encountering our our podcast, um, if you like it, um, and I know we're we're still growing and shifting, but if you like it, please share it with your friends. You know, retweet us, uh, you know, post about us. We'd, we'd love to, to reach more folks. And uh, Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, of course, uh, subscribe, rate us in iTunes. That always helps.
0: All right. Um, so the next few weeks are going to be um, probably podcast Um This one we're going to be uploading while I'm already gone on my magical tour. I, have, I really want to name the tour like I'm going on tour, even though I'm just going on a big road trip. But I'm traveling 6,000 <laughs> kilometers in 16 days. Wow. it's going to be a little, a bit of a mystery the next few weeks. But stick around, and we'll be back um, as normal with a lot more regularity in November. And uh, and yeah, thanks again for listening.
1: You can check me out on a new podcast called The Benchwarmers. Find that on iTunes in the next week or so. And you can follow... it,
0: it's also an NBA podcast.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, and you can find the Benchwarmers on Twitter at at BenchwarmersNBA, and you can find me on Twitter at, at @stewpop.
0: and I'm at Ostensibly Clear. I want to regret, but I'm not regretting anything. I'm just owning it now. That's just my brand, ostensibly clear.
1: Fantastic.
0: And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And And I'll catch you again soon. I feel like you never say goodbye, Sue. We need you saying goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Okay, goodbye. (laughs)